Hey everyone, I'm Shan from She's Arjuna here on John Littlefair's podcast, Never Just a Dog. First single vessels come out. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel great. Yeah, it's so good to have it out in the world. And yeah, finally just like, the work behind it is like, it's like a sweet release for me. Yeah. yeah. I've had a lot of really beautiful feedback from people and um, yeah, I'm just kind of like grateful for anybody who's listened and shared and um, there's lots of people being streaming it every day when I look on my Spotify for artists. So yeah, very, um, very, very grateful. And tell me the inspiration behind Vessel. Yeah. So it's an interesting story. I've shared it on my socials, but I, last lockdown I was sitting back to back with my piano and so I was on a swivel chair and I would just sort of swivel back around to the piano if I got sick of working and needed a bit of a break and one day I swiveled around and my Dumbo Feather magazine was sitting on it and they're just like a really beautiful magazine they like highlight a lot of enviro issues and talk about society and all the different things that are going on in the world and that was just sitting on like above the keys, resting on the music holder. And I flicked around and I started playing a new composition and then just like found myself inserting the words from the magazine cover into the song. So if you look at the cover, you'll see that it says all the little keywords that are in Vessel. And um, yeah, it just kind of unfolded from there. And it's you know, very much inspired by all the shit I care about, which is environment and people and community and then it's kind of also like the the chorus is really about my entrance um, as an artist and like emerging and letting people actually hear what I've got to say. You released the single on the 15th of October. Yeah. Was there any specific reason you did that day or was it just a random day for you? Oh, it was so not random. <laughs> I um I knew that I was going to be releasing sometime at the end of the year and, and hopefully I was aiming for October. And then I thought, I've, cause I've been waiting for my dog Arlo's birthday all year. I don't know why I get excited so much, like, because I don't want him to get older because I want him to be around forever. But at the same time, I just can't wait. I'll be like three months before his birthday, I'll be like, it's your birthday in three months. <laughs> and, and then I realised that um, I wanted to release it on his birthday and I was just hoping that I hadn't checked a calendar yet, but I was really hoping that his birthday would be on a Friday because I wanted it to come out for a weekend. And sure enough, when I looked in the calendar, it was a Friday and I was so stoked. So, yeah, it was like a nice way for me to celebrate Arlo's sixth birthday and the release. And now we'll always have that to um, celebrate together. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Did you buy Arlo a present? Yeah, I don't know if we can call it a present now. Um, it, it was a giant bone from the butcher. And um, let me just say it led to what I would call a, a series of emotions in him that led to a mental breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened? What, what did he do? Well, he's done this before, so I should have known better, but he does love a bone. He loves it to the point of obsession. So you give him the bone and he's just super happy and, and that's that's great. You see him run off into the yard and he's all excited. And then maybe, you know, an hour will go by and the happiness has turned into, we call, we've got these like a series of emotions, like bone obsession. So it starts off with bone excitement and it goes to like bone obsession where he he's just ravenous about it and he can't think of anything else but that and he doesn't leave <laughs> rain, hail or shine. He will stay with that bone. And then... Like to maybe it'll get to the two hour mark and it's gotten to the point where he 
he'll take it all around the yard and try to find places to bury it. Um, but he'll put it somewhere and then you'll see him pacing around the yard. And where I'm living at the moment, I've got a perfect view of our backyard from my lounge room. So I'm sitting upstairs watching him on the day and he was pacing back and forth. It was steadily raining all day. So he's covered in mud. He's got this like weird look on his face. Like he's not, he's not himself anymore. And, um, and then he, he basically will bury it, but then he'll, he'll leave the scene. And then minutes later, you'll see him go back and find it again. Cause I think he's like bone paranoia. He starts thinking someone's going to take it. So he'll do anything in his power. And then when he finally chills out for the rest of the night, he like sleeps with one eye open. And like, if he sees someone go near the door to go outside, he's like, I've got to go now. They're going to take my bone. So it ends up ends up being that we have to throw it in the bin after one day. And um, oh, no. yeah, it's just not okay at the end of it. So. Okay. So <laughs> off to counselling for Arlo to the bone. What is it? What would that be? Uh, bone distress? Is that the final chapter in yeah. the, the birthday bone yeah. expedition of Arlo? Like, I would say like it, it ends up being like bone trauma. And he, oh, and, no. then, Poor and, then, Arlo. and then he grieves the bone. Oh, because okay. it, it is, it means a lot to him. So <laughs> it's um, it's a whirlwind. Maybe next birthday, maybe not a bone. Maybe something that he can destroy easily, like a tennis ball. What about that? I think so. I think we'll go for like a, even a tiny, or just do like a thing of chicken necks or something that he he can devour and gone. It just can't hang around. Or a sandwich <laughs> or something, you know. A sandwich. I can make him a dog cake. That would be great. A actually. dog cake. Yeah, something I'll that he that. can't spend an hour. We're in the backyard trying to bury the dog cake. That's going to be a bit hard. Yeah. It's going to break apart, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how did Arlo come into your life? Tell, tell me that story. Yeah, um, I was desperate for a dog after many years of being dog-free. Always oh. want to have a dog in my life, but my life circumstances just weren't lining up at that point. And, um, yeah, I had finally got to the point where I was ready. And I started scouring all the um, pet rescue websites online and I came across after a long time because I had a specific sort of breed in mind. I'm not down for the breed, but I wanted a big sort of like docile, floppy lounge dog. <laughs> and um, I wanted the dog to be young as well, just so I could have a bit of an impact on, on their upbringing. And um, I stumbled across Arlo, whose name was Jackson at the time, and um he, I couldn't get on to the people. I kept calling and I, it said, like, go through the regular application process online. But I was like, no, like, I, I just need need to talk to them. And so I called for, like, three days straight. And when I finally got on to the lady, she answered. And it was just, like, one of those setups where they're, um, they're like, living on a farm property. And so it's all just, like, all the rescuers are just all houses like mine or yours but they're in the rescue program and so she was just this this lovely lady who I ended up chatting to for half an hour and she said um oh so at the start of the conversation she said oh sorry Arlo oh sorry Jackson <laughs> has about 30 people who have applied for him so unfortunately yeah you, you you probably won't get him but you'll have to go through the normal application process and we just ended up chatting for half an hour and by the end of the phone call she said oh go on come and pick him up how did he go from being called Jackson to Arlo? I already had picked a couple of names. I had a big list in my name, uh, in my in my phone of names. And yeah, there was a few going around, but that one just that for him um, when I saw him. But I definitely, it was never going to be Jackson. Poor Jackson. So does he have a middle name or is it? That's <laughs> yeah, it. he does. It's Banana Bear. Arlo Banana Bear. Love that. 
<laughs> Why banana bear? Just because he just picked it randomly. Um, his fur is like the color of the flesh on a banana. He's and he's just like a big cuddly bear. So yeah, banana bear. Arlo banana bear. I love it. So <laughs> so is Arlo the first dog in your life? Did you have dogs growing up? Yeah, I did. We had no. My first dog was a long-haired German Shepherd who was my dad's dog, and my dad had had him since he was sixteen years old. So it was like really, really just like super attached to dad and yeah, family, family pet. But um, he he was really protective, and um, I loved him. I I used to pretend that he was Philippe, which is the horse out of Beauty and the Beast, and I used to dress up in a tunic and walk around the backyard with. Bear, like I used to make his lead into reins, um, and like walk, <laughs> love it. Love it. walk him around the yard with like books, like pretending I was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Anyway, so he probably hated it. I loved it, but yeah, he was a beautiful dog. Um, he used to, if we'd jump in the pool in summer, he would jump in after us to try and save us if we didn't surface quick enough. But the problem with that was that he his hair was so big and he's so fluffy that when he'd get wet, he would just start sinking because he just all the weight of the fur. So then we'd end up having to do like a reverse rescue effort on there. And <laughs> that, was, that was him. But um, yeah, he, he was great. He was a great dog. And is Bear still around? Um, so he, so it was when I was in grade one, He's uh, he had hip dysplasia and it got to the point where he could barely walk. And back then, I suppose it was either too expensive or I don't know, he was old as well. And dad had decided that he needed to put him down, which was a really hard decision for dad to make, but um, he did. And so on the day we arranged for a vet to come to our house and my mum and my brother went off for a drive and I stayed with my dad and it was the first time I ever saw my dad cry and um, yeah, it was a super, super emotional thing for me, but it, it was kind of nice to see that emotion coming out of the big, strong man that's always been the tough dad. So we, we went out the back together and planted a lemon tree and, and buried Bear under there and put one of dad's old boots that Bear had chewed on the um, on top of the tree. The boot's still there? Well, we don't, the house now sold okay. many, many okay. years ago, so... Bear would, bear would be there, but yeah, um, that's sad. Hopefully, for you, the lemon tree is still there. Were you there long enough for the lemons to grow, and so you could pick the fruit and use them, or had you moved out after? Uh, I think we would have been, yeah, yeah, would have been definitely because I was thirteen when we moved out of yeah, there, okay. and I was only nine when we were in there. So yeah. Oh, that's really sad for the family. Very sad for your dad too. Is he? Um, has he continued his dog love journey? Does he have another dog now? He had, we we kids forced our parents together for another dog at one point. We, we did go through a few. He, he got one that unfortunately died within five days of us having him. It died of parvo. And I think it was just in, brought up in a, in a puppy farm and you don't know what, what's going on with him. It came riddled with fleas. It was really sad. And yeah, he died. So dad was really traumatized from that. And then we made him get us another dog a couple of years later and when that dog passed away um I think dad's now just at the point where he said to me I cannot go through that loss again it's too much so he's just like surrogate he's he's a grandfather to my dog so he gets his dog love fixed from Arlo yeah that's right and is Arlo the only dog that you have I have Lily who's a greyhound we got her from a rescue place we took Arlo to choose a friend because he definitely needs a friend and but now we call her Trish because she is such a Trish. So it's Lily when she's doing something naughty, but all the rest of the time it's Trish. Trish, okay. 
So Arlo went and picked out Lily Trish, Trish Lily. So, yeah, so we rocked up at the um, rescue place and we, we were just browsing in all the pens and Lily's pen was one of the first ones and she was just like curled up in a ball at the very back, didn't really bat an eyelid at us. And we were like, oh, she, she just looks like an old hag. Like she just looked not fun. She And, I mean, I feel for her now that I, I think about why she was feeling like that but she she didn't suit the family when we looked at her on first glance wandered around and there were these other beautiful dogs all coming up to the fence like pick me pick me so we picked a couple of them out and we had a really long wait um there apparently there was a lot of people that were waiting to to meet dogs so we were just waiting in the foyer and this lady who was going around cleaning all the cages she came up to say hello to Arlo and she said oh what are you guys here for and we said oh we're just waiting to do a meet and greet with with a couple of the dogs and she said oh which ones did you pick and we told her and she said have you met Lily and we said oh yeah she, she didn't really catch our eye and and she said oh, I'm telling you she said give her a go oh, she's a, she, she's a classic she'll she'll have you laughing and we just thought oh we'll give it a go so we did and we fell in love with her when as soon as she busted into the little open meet and greet thing she just she reared <laughs> up and she it looked like if you could put a dub over it, she was going, no. And she, just, she, tra- she transformed from the very sad-looking dog into this, like, just magical little character wow. and super grateful for her presence in our life. She's a, yeah, a real character. Oh, that's awesome. And Arlo took to her? So well, yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, besties. Yeah. Um, oh, she fantastic. pretends she doesn't love him, but she does. It's like a standoff, but yeah, yeah, I get that. (laughs) Getting back to music, when did you start your music journey? Was it something from youth? Yeah, um, my dad played in bands for, I don't know how how early he started, but he was gigging around Footscray, that's where he grew up. And um, yeah, they were they were just gigging around all around the place back back in the day, and um, that's how him and mum met. She knew him as this muso with the long hair that she used to, you know, all the girls were like oh, <laughs> and um, yeah, so they met through music, and they okay. mum's got an ab- absolute love of music. And so growing up, it was always in our house. It was you know they had they used to have a lot of parties. There was always music playing, and also guitars around the house. So there was always dad putting a guitar in one of our laps and my brother is an incredibly talented musician himself so we just kind of gravitated to that yeah when I was 13 he was already playing music some school friends and unfortunately the singer in the group that he was in developed cancer and it's really really sad he's he's okay now but it was in his neck so he he couldn't sing at this school gig that they had planned and so they said, come on, Shannon, you um, you sing in the shower. We've heard you. And I was like, no, oh, I don't know. I couldn't. I didn't really feel comfortable. I was pretty shy about it back then. Yeah, they said, just come and do this gig just this once. And so we did it and the rest is history. I was in that band for eight years and we played lots of gigs around the place, did lots of cool support acts with some big, big artists at the time and um, went on to some acoustic stuff with some other people. And, yeah, now I'm here. It's an exciting time for you. You've got your debut album coming out soon. Yeah, yeah. It's coming out on the 26th of November. Okay. Is there a general theme running through all of uh, the songs on the album and through your music now? I would say there's definitely a theme. It's unintentional, but it's just like, because all my music's kind of stream of consciousness. I really just use it to meditate, to to chill out after a day. So 
or, you know, I'll be hanging around in the kitchen doing the dishes or something and, and the tap will be dripping and I'll find a beat in the tap and then a song will emerge. So it's very like whatever's in my mind, it's like journal writing really, but, but yeah, melody, like a melodic journal. So because I care a lot about environmental issues and I care a lot about mental health and just lots of those things come out in my music. So I think it kind of captures like the light and dark aspects of me and my journey in life. Are you influenced by any particular musicians or bands or sounds or genres of music or is it something that you go, I just want to put that all to one side, create like in a sense in your own bubble? Yeah, I would definitely say I I try to to not be influenced. I just think music comes in so many cool shapes and, and sizes and forms and everything that I don't want to box myself in to a genre either. So, I, like, my music taste is so broad. Like, the band I was in that I was talking about earlier was a, a progressive alternative sort of rock band. And so there's roots there. But then, you know, I really love sugary pop. Like, I love Justin Bieber. So it all just blends in. And that's, like, the ends of the spectrum um, that come into my music. But I kind of try to turn off when I'm in writing and producing mode. I try to just not listen to new releases as much as I'm hanging to hear what people are bringing out. I don't want to listen and then go, oh, but mine doesn't sound like that or they've done it better than me. Or So I really try to just stay true to what's coming out of me and my soul at that time. And then, you know, then once it's all out, I can listen and then I can bag myself (laughs) 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 for not doing it a certain way. But, you know, yeah. I've seen you've done quite a few collaborations with other artists. How does that work collaborating in the music sense? Do you just reach out to each other and go, hey, look, I'm, I've got this idea and you may have this idea. Let's kind of mesh together and do something. How does that work? Yeah, it's um, for me it's all, strangely enough, it's been three Iranian guys that I've collaborated with, um, all groups, there's one group in there. And um, I think they're all kind of affiliated with each other. So it's kind of, it's spread through the socials, our little connections that we've made. It just started off as connecting from finding their music and liking their music and them being instrumental bands and then them hearing my vocals and going, hey, that'd be kind of cool to add a vocal track to our catalogue and then just reaching out, sending me the track and then it's gone from there. And so, yeah, I've got another one coming for Veta, which I'd done one for a little while ago. So I'm just waiting for things to settle down for me and I'll do another one. But yeah, it's really fun because again, with that genre fluidity, it's like, it's not my style of music that I would normally create. So it's really cool to see what comes out of me when I'm given that foundation. Do you ever think you'll form another band and uh, maybe do some gigs, tour? I I think I'm not putting any pressure on it. I, I really want to live by that, that just see what comes. If there's a demand out there and people want to see me touring, then I'll do it. But I think, as I mentioned, I'd done eight years in a band that we were like heavily gigging a lot and it was really fun, but I'm not really looking to to live the gig life unless it's really something that people want. I want a very simple life. So I'm, I'm seeing this as a, a way to maybe take advantage of the digital scape that's particularly with COVID and everything, it's it's really paved the way for people to just do it in their own way. And if people gravitate to it online and there's enough people out there that are saying, please do a gig, then I would definitely form a band and do it. But um, it's not something that I'm going to pressure myself into. Just want to enjoy whatever comes, when it comes and however that may be. But is Arlo around when you're just splashing around with ideas in your head and you jump onto the piano or you just start singing? Are they sort of hanging around and sit by you? Do they enjoy you singing around the house? 
Absolutely. It's weird to watch. Like if I go and play the piano in the old house I was living in, it was in the living space. So they were kind of around anyway, but they would usually gravitate onto the little day bed that was behind the piano. And now the piano in the house I'm living in is in a completely separate room and they still find their way in there and they'll end up going to sleep as I play. And it's just so nice. I just pop my head around in there. Yeah, just chilling out and they I, th- I think it just makes them feel sleepy so I mean they're always sleepy 